morning, good morning, and uh, thank you for coming. Thank you for coming, because uh, we are um, going to just join together and hear from what the Lord certainly has given me, and we have our Nigerian group. Where do I look for those to say hello to them? They're just watching from there. Hello, everybody there. And uh, if there is still a ring of any kind, just maybe, maybe you could text back and forth a little bit to find out how to remedy that. And I'll just begin. But let me pray first. And we're going to look this morning at kingdom perspective. And this is just some stuff that the Lord's just been giving me that um, I hope will help you. I, I'm so thankful for Jesus. Jesus really is the way, the truth, and the life. He is everything we need. He is the one that came to give us life abundant. And, you know, when we say Jesus paid it all, it really does encompass everything, including the life here before we see him in heaven. It is all. He has given us everything. And um, paid for everything on the cross. You know, so much of these things that the Lord has been teaching me goes back to the gospel. So I just want to thank him and praise him. And, you know, why we have a time of worship is to really align and prepare our hearts and our minds and, and just everything to, to a, a readiness to receive his word. And so worship is so important. It was so good, so sweet. And there were some powerful words on the screen that I hope you took to heart. I hope you really recognized, hey, I'm singing this. Is this true for me? I'm declaring this. I am um, pouring this out of my mouth. Is it real for me? Or is it just a song time before a Bible study? We really have to ask ourselves that. But let's pray. God, we just praise you. We thank you. Thank you, Jesus for what you did on the cross, for what you gave. Thank you for your love. Lord, I thank you for every word given out of our mouths this morning in worship, God, that this truth, God, this, this love, this kindness, mercy, grace. Oh, Lord, you, you, are, you are just so awesome. Holy Spirit, we invite you to this place to just Fill this atmosphere to guide us into all truth, as the Gospel of John says. I just pray that you would allow what comes out of my mouth, Lord Jesus, this morning, to go forth and be used according to your will. I just thank you, Lord. I thank you for the privilege of knowing you personally in relationship. That is why we are here. I love you and I praise you. And I thank you for your truth. I thank you for just the amazing wonder of your word that really brings us everything that we need. And so, Father God, I just pray that you would um, plant the seeds of your word deep, deep down into the soil of our hearts. God, we love you. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, the kingdom of God, I want to 
look at Romans 14, 17, and um, I'll, um, I'll be a little bit back and forth. I'm typically in between the King James and the New Living, as I've said many times, but there's a couple things we're going to look at this morning in the Amplified that I just want to show you. But Romans um, 14, 16 is, there's, we're not going to get into a side study of what the kingdom of God is, but this, this particular verse, the kingdom of God, is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Now, that's the King James, in the Holy Ghost, rather. The King James. Um, in verse 17, um, excuse me, I, I said 16. It's, the seven, it's Romans 14, 17. Pardon me. In, in the New Living, it says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And so when we look at the kingdom of God and the kingdom perspective, I think there's just something that has been, um, the Lord's just been putting within me that's such a passion because just stuff we're going through, stuff we're facing. Every day my prayer has been, Lord, get my head straight. Get my thoughts straight. I need your lens. I need your perspective. And, you know, there's a couple of scriptures that talk about this renewed mind. We know one from um, Romans 12, 2. You know, Romans 12, 1. I beseech you, I think that's the one. Yeah, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body to living sacrifice. Is that the one? No. I am the different Romans. 12, 1 and 2. Yes. An acceptable, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. That leads us into verse 2, which I've always loved this verse. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And this is in the King James. Transformed away from the world's view. From the world view. Um, I heard a preacher say one time that it's not so much our inability to hear the voice of God. It's whether or not, it's our really our willingness to listen to other voices. And when you look at this, and then also in Ephesians 4, I believe it's verse 23, it's be, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. This, um, this charge that Paul is giving is to be recognizing that, you know, we are citizens of heaven. Colossians talks about that. We're actually citizens of heaven. We are not of this world. We're here. We're here in this world, but we're not of this world when we become a believer. We take on a new creation, a new creation. The old things are passed away. All things are becoming new. And I think about the cultural norms that surround us, you know, when we start to think about when you're in a particular environment, it's really easy to begin to um, adapt to ways of thinking that may not be the right ways. And yet sometimes we feel like, well, how do we do this? How do we navigate? We have to understand that this is the way the world thinks, but yet we're not of the world. And it, be- it becomes this, this challenge. And, and that's why Paul says, of course, we're to walk by faith, not by sight. We're to walk in the spirit and not in the flesh. And so 
not being conformed to this world, but be transformed, is um, really a, a willingness to lay down everything that is not of God and take on his mind. Uh, we know from, um, and I'm, I'm going to give you so many scriptures, just write down the ones that you can, but I'm kind of overflowing with things. As we face things in life, I, I was thinking about how much we want to be in the will of God, and any believer that wants God's will, we say, okay, Lord, please direct my path, direct my path. Well, one of the verses I've quoted so many times, I love it so much, it's kind of a, a heritage from not only my mother, but from Greg's grandmother, Eva, who's now with the Lord, um, is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. We've used it time and time again. But I want to look at these verses in the classic Amplified, because um, this one is really awesome in the Amplified, and I hope that I have, yeah, I'm going to actually just pull this one up on my phone, although you might have it there. I loved when I came across these verses recently, and um, I, I want to I give you some of this, this word in the context of some of the things that you may be going through that will help you to apply this. In verse 3, um, excuse me, in chapter 3, verse 5, it says, Trust in and rely confidently on the Lord with all your heart. And do not rely on your own insight or understanding. In all of your ways, all of your interactions with everything you're doing, acknowledge and recognize him. And he will then make your path straight and smooth, removing the obstacles that block your way. Now, it really goes on in verse 7, if, you, if you're able to pull this. they have the Amplified there or no? Okay. Do you have the Amplified then on your own? Look at this. If not, follow me in the translation you're in. In verse 7 of Proverbs 3, it says, Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. What does that mean? With reverent awe and obedience. And turn entirely away from evil. Don't be conformed to the evil ways of this world. Wow. The result, though, is amazing in verse 8. This is really interesting, and I want to be careful how many rabbits I chase to be careful of that. But in verse 8, just to kind of give you a little side food for thought, it will be health. So based on all those things, okay, based on this fear of the Lord, this reverent awe and obedience, turn totally away. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Why? It's going to be health to your body, your marrow, your nerves, your sinews, your muscles, all your inner parts, and it will be a refreshment. A physical well-being to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your crops, your income, essentially. Then your barns will be abundantly filled and your vats will overflow with new wine. And then it goes on to say in verse 11, My son, do not reject or take lightly the discipline of the Lord. Which means don't, that's why I love the Amplified, it kind of explains it a little further. Learn from your mistakes and the testing that comes from correction through discipline. Nor despise his rebuke. For those whom the Lord loves, he corrects. He wants you to get it right. So he's going to say, oh, oh, no, 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 that's not the way. This is the way. Don't, no, don't do that. Don't do that. Even as a father corrects the son in whom he delights. I know some translations use the word discipline. That kind of gets a bad rap. That the discipline. The discipline is a correction. It's a, it's a way to just kind of say, oh, yeah, no, no, this is the right way to go. And 
if you're ever in a struggle that is really got a hold of you, you can rest assured, like if you're ever uh, downcast, you're discouraged, you're overwhelmed, think about whether where sometimes our emotions are. My emotions are such a good indicator. They are the indicator of my thinking. Because I'll tell you what, emotions will feed. They will find their nourishment. They, they literally become fueled, fed by the thoughts that drive them. And, of course, what you do, the decisions you make and your actions are driven by the thoughts. Okay, they're rooted in the thoughts that produce that. So, this sometimes emotional struggle that we get in from trials is a good way to go back and go, okay, whoa, I am really feeling like nobody likes me. I am really feeling condemned. I'm really feeling criticized. I'm really, I am so discouraged. I am really feeling down. Yeah, go back to, okay, what am I missing in my, what am I feeding my mind with in the truth of the Word of God that will come against that? I remember one time, this was very, very unlike me, but it was a great experience to go through because it gave me such insight into what people struggle with. I'm driving down the road. I was very discouraged. I got up. Um, this was before I began to pray protection over my dream. And I'm going off to the gym at the time, teaching at that time at the gym. And so I'm, I'm driving down the road, and all of a sudden, this wave, I already was in a funk. You ever woke up, and you're just kind of, oh, man, something's just not right. You know, they call it waking up on the wrong side of the bed. They have these cute little idioms and, and phrases for it, but it's a real situation. We've got to learn to take thoughts captive and, and be aware of what's going on. So I'm driving down the road, and I just felt this wave of, what is the point of me being here? Like, what is this about? I mean, I'm driving, and I'm at a speed that could do some damage, although I wasn't truly convinced it would do enough damage. But it was like one of those things of, I can just turn, because, boy, if it's going to happen, I didn't want to suffer. I wanted to just be gone. And this suicide, you know, and I didn't call it suicide. I, I just recognized it as this bottoming out of this hopelessness, this pointlessness of why I'm here came over me. And the Lord right away, because and I just thought, this is a this is a, a toilet flushing rabbit hole going down. Like this is a place that only gets worse if you don't identify. So I remember thinking, okay, this is not good. Like my hands are on this steering wheel. What am I doing? And the Lord right away, I, I remember thinking, I, I, this is when I knew the power of the Word of God. You know, in Romans, and, and I'll say this as a side note, in John 8, 32, it says, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. So I knew at that moment, what do I know? And God just dropped into my spirit, Psalm 23. And so I'm driving, I'm feeling this emotion, but, but my heart that knew the Lord began to just believe, and therefore I spoke. And I just started saying, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green. I mean, I just started declaring. And I'm not kidding you. I could feel this, this word of God that's sharper than any two-edged sword 
piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and the marrow. And it's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. It's also a sword against the demonic. And I mean, the enemy, I mean, the enemy's demons were just getting all sliced up, sliced and diced in my car. And it was almost like this weird sword fight from the declaration of my words. And it just, all this emotion dropped because I was taking these thoughts captive. I recognized, I knew in my spirit, I knew that God is not a God of death. He is a God of life. So when you look at that verse, John 8, 32, this isn't just a, you shall know the truth. Okay, well, I know, you shall know that Bible verse, so your life will be fine. No, it's a, it's every time I'm faced with anything, this hits me. Okay, what do I know? What do I know? I know truth. I know Jesus is the way, the truth, and life. I know that Jesus died for me. So, Lord, help me to get my thoughts straight. Because in this situation, what's the way that I ought to approach this? I know the truth, and then the truth makes me free in each situation, in every situation. He comes, Satan comes in all different ways, and we've got to know the truth to have to walk out our freedom. It's... Sometimes we look at things, especially with what the Lord has taught us about the courts, which people are getting hung up on the language of the courts. Don't get caught up in the language of it. It's going before the Father. And it's the repentance. It's agreeing with things that are not of God and saying, I want them gone. It's really ultimately a place of absolute, sold out, rid of everything not of God, purity. That... Can people go to the courts and do that on their own through the power of the Holy Spirit? Absolutely. They've been doing it for generations. But the Lord has also given the body of Christ. Can you study the Bible without the help of a Bible teacher and a preacher? Of course. But he's given us the body of Christ to surround us and to speak into our lives. And so, just like James 5.16 says, Confess your faults one to another that ye may be healed. Okay? Forsake not the assembling together. Hebrews. We know that these things are helpful to us, but really all it is, is the end of Psalm 139, when David cried out, search me, search me, God, search every part of me, know me, try me, know my thoughts, see if there's any wicked way in me. But he didn't do that once. That's once recorded in the Word. But as you see, if you, you, you do a study of David, that was the heart posture, that was that daily pursuit, like, Lord, every day, okay, I'm faced with this. What is your way to think? Because my flesh, my spirit is willing. We know what scripture says, but our flesh is weak. And unless we're dying daily, we're going to end up finding ourselves conformed to this world rather than the constant transforming. And being transformed and renewed is an ongoing process. It is a process. We are we're not, when we get saved, you know, we're not rid of our sin nature. It's there but it's dead. It's supposed to be dead. You know, in 1 John 5, 4, when it says, He that is born of God, born anew of God, overcometh the world. This is the victory that overcometh the world. What? Even our faith is what that verse says. So we're born anew. We're now a citizen of heaven. So we got to start thinking. we got to start having a kingdom perspective. We're, we're to seek the Lord with all of our heart, our mind, our strength, our soul. Love Him. Love Him. And get His thoughts. And any issues that we have, um, 
and, and they'll come up because we're always graduating. Any issues that you face that have to do with trust. Trust issues are always, always linked to love issues. Man, if you got trust issues, you need to spend some time soaking and knowing how loved you are. The first verse in 1 John 5 is, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. I love that word, behold. It's like the, Behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. You know, it's like the Luke 2. Like, behold, like this is a pronouncement. Do you know how loved you are? You are loved. Behold what manner of love. It is the trust that I have for the Lord Jesus. And it's, it's just so precious to me. It just touches my heart. Has grown only as I have soaked in his love. And you know, it's, it's a lot like my, um, my more than 30 year marriage now. As I look at the trust that has grown with grace is directly linked to the demonstration of his love and how many ways he has demonstrated that he fights for me, he defends me, he's there for me, you know, as a good husband filled with Jesus, that he's there. And I know that's not always the case, but that's how God designed it to be in a marriage that was that is led of him and filled with the Holy Spirit. But it's that demonstration of love where the response of trust is there. And that's what God wants. He wants you to know. You can't just trust by deciding you're going to have, I'm going to live, and this, <clears throat> these principles and this word and this book are going to be the mantra of my life. So therefore, I trust you. That'll work for a little while. And then, all of a sudden, the reality of what God intended, which is that this has got to be real. This has got to be authentic. I'm inviting you into relationship. I'm not inviting you into this intellectual acceptance of principles that sound really good. How long did that last? Um, the Lord really, he just wants our minds transformed. You know, we, we suffer so much and really experience torment with wrong thinking. Wrong thinking will get you so, so twisted up inside. Um, you know that when you react and respond in a way that is anything, anything in the realm of negative, you've got to go back to, okay, what am I missing? What am I missing, God, about your character, your nature? See, this is why you, you can't just have, we, we can't have a relationship with God and not have a relationship with his word. We have to know his word. I know him. See, he needs us to know him. Ye shall know the truth. Not just grasp intellectually the truth. That only goes so far. Um, another verse I want to give you in the Amplified that I just love, love, love. It's from the, um, the theme verses of our women's ministry. But in verse 19 of Ephesians 3, and I'm sorry if we don't have the Amplified for the screen, but please look it up. It's, it says that you may really come to know practically through experience for yourselves. The love of Christ, which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience, that you may be filled throughout all your being unto the fullness of God. Go ahead and put up King James on that verse, just to have it. That you may be filled throughout all your being unto the fullness of God. 
that he may have the richest measure of the divine presence to become a body wholly filled and flooded with God himself. I love how he, the Amplified expounds on that. He wants us to go from believing, I believe, I believe, and that's an important thing, we need to believe. But man, he wants us to cross over, and we're, we're there, we're there in the mission, where you know what? It's not enough anymore to just believe. I know that's the theme of the Women's Conference, just believe. And the simplicity of that, God has for a reason. But I'm telling you, when you cross over to the absolute belief to be fully persuaded, to that knowing, like 1 Timothy 1.12, when Paul is charging Timothy, and he's talking about, which in verse 7 of that chapter he talks about, God's not given us the spirit of fear or timidity, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. You can keep first. Ephesians 3, 16 up there, or 19 up there. But he goes on, and he's talking about the suffering. And in, in that verse 12 of 1 Timothy 1, he says, For the which cause also I, I suffer also these things. I suffer, I'm suffering through all this stuff. But I know whom I have believed. I know him. I fundamentally know him. And I am persuaded, totally persuaded because of that knowing that he is able, he is the one that's able to keep all of that which I have committed unto him against that day. He was, he was explaining to Timothy that, you know, you can believe and you can believe, but how many of us have still been shaken after saying we believe? There's something about that crossing that threshold of just knowing. Knowing will transform every part of you. The knowing is, it's a, it's almost like a, once I know it, I am not the same. I am a new person. I am completely funny. You can say you believe all day long, but you can't get to that, that you can't cross that threshold without being there and experiencing. Now, it goes on beyond experience. And the ladies know this even from, from the lesson last week through Shannon that was so good. But I often think about, um, and, and I... I love this in even the King James. And to know the love of Christ. Now, the word verse before that talks about rooted and grounded in love, that you might know the length, the breadth, the depth, the height. Okay, like know all the, the complete um, saturation of my love for you. I am, I am so completely, I so adore you. I so love you. And when you can begin to even grasp an ounce of that, you're already victorious. Because when you're, when you're that loved, I mean, nothing can separate us from the, you gotta, you gotta, man, you need to make a nice old big hot bubble bath of Romans 8. Just spend some time in Romans 8, just soak, just soak. It's awesome. There's so many, so many verses in Romans 8 that are so powerful. I love, love, love Romans 8. And I'll tell you, I use it to slice the throat. And, and, and I, and I gotta tell you, I don't apologize for being graphic when it comes to the demonic. They will be sliced and diced every which way from Sunday and every other day of the week, as far as I'm concerned. Because when they lie, when they lie, they mess with me. Do not lie to me. Oh, no, you didn't, devil. Oh, no, you didn't. I have the sword of the Spirit, and it will slice your throat and cut your very voice from penetrating my life. Because lies kill. I can't stand lies. Liars, it's all, it's all from the Satan. Anyway, no, 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 no. 
<laughs> but, but the love of Christ, do you see that? Which passeth knowledge. It, it goes beyond knowledge. It, it's not going to be something that often your mind can grasp. And we get so stuck on things that we lean on in our understanding. This is why I, I go back to Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Don't lean, rely on, fall back on an understanding in your human mind. I know we don't consciously see it this way, but this is what the Lord's been kind of pressing on me. To even think that I could understand the ways of God is so arrogant. I mean, we just think we need to grasp it, and, and we, we, we're grasping at some sort of self-striving, self-control to box in some semblance of making our lives fine, and you just can't. This is why the Lord reveals so much to me when I'm on the airplane, especially going over to Nigeria, but any places, but especially over that ocean. There's just something about the revelation of God that hits me, because I am so vulnerable. <laughs> there is like, I going forward, backward, get off the plane, stay on the plane... It's all not comfortable. Like, it's all just, I am completely at the mercy of what God does to carry the plane and its engine and the pilot and the people around. I'm just, if you don't like to fly and you don't like, you know, it, it stretches me to the max of my sense of control. And control, as we know, is an illusion. But you can know that in principle all day long. When you experience that you don't have the control, that's the test of giving it up. And so God has given me amazing dreams, visions, wonderful places. It's a place where I know how surrendered I am. Lord, I'm sorry for every sin, every sin I will do, every sin I ever did, ever thought about. You know, I mean, like, I am so right with God when I'm on that plane. <laughs> it's like, it just stretches me. And, um, and you know, that, that place of surrender has got to be beyond. You know, Romans 10 talks about, it's with the heart man believes. See, we decide with our heart that we believe, and then our mouth confession is made. But you can't, you can't lean on your own understanding. When you look at Philippians 4, go to Philippians 4, um, 8 and 9. Man, these are just, we know these. These are verses that we know, we know, we know. Do we? Do we know? Does it fundamentally change how we respond in life, how we react? And before I even read these verses, let me just tell you something. Reaction. Reaction is something that will reveal to you where you really are in the growth in your life. If you are a reactor that is not in line with God, you may realize that and get it right and get it straightened out and you work things out. But your reaction is your instinctive knee-jerk truth of where you really are in your mind. When you can get crazy news or something derails your day and you react and respond initially in peace, in calm, in overcoming power, in a knowing that all things are going to work together for good, that God's going to work it all out even though I don't understand what's happening. When, when you can respond in that way, then you know you might have grasped it. And I'm talking about something that means something to you. Not just maybe a fender bender from your friend's car that you're driving that you really don't have a stake in. I'm talking stuff that you've got a stake in that suddenly 
doesn't look like the promise of God. Looks like a nightmare, a headache. Oh my goodness, I just dealt with 12 pressures this past week. Now this, that's the camel that broke the straw. You know, the, the, the <laughs> that word, straw that broke the camel. And either way, it would be not a good thing. You just like that reaction that is, I'm out. That shows you where you are. And God is taking his church, his bride, his people to a place of this knowing. It's, it's that phrase, put your money where your mouth is. We spout off a lot of things. But you know, when, when I look at, um, before we get to Galatians, excuse me, Philippians 4, um, I believe therefore I have spoken that I mentioned earlier. It's not just a, I believe so then I speak faith. No, you know that you actually do speak every day. We do speak what we believe. So what's coming out of your mouth? What's coming out of your mouth? Praise is considered a sweet-smelling savor to the Lord. What would be the opposite of that? Something that stinks. And thinking that is not of God is stinking thinking. It really is. It's, it's thoughts. It's a, it's a permeating that thing that consumes us that is not of God, that stinks. Whereas worship and praise, worship is the declaration of our lips that God, I am in agreement with all that you are. And so it is going to flow out. Now sometimes, God, let's be honest, there's a sacrifice of praise. I'm going to declare this, God, my emotions are not there yet. <laughs> but I will say, I will, I will bless your name. I will praise your name. Sometimes your heart has to just confess. Your heart believes, your mouth confesses. My emotions are irrelevant. I thought I love when you when you read the Psalms. Notice how many times the psalmist is saying, I will. He's not saying, I'm feeling pretty good today. That was a good cup of ancient coffee. Did they even have that then? I don't know. There's poor people. What did they do? The Holy Spirit in their cup. Um, but we know these verses. Let's look at look at Philippians 4. Be careful, be anxious. Verse 6. For nothing. For nothing. Don't worry. A new living says, don't worry about anything. If you want to do the, um, yeah, King James is great. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. So he's, he's telling us, look, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. And then in verse 7, and the peace of God that doesn't make sense to your understanding, it Passes. It will surpass your understanding. It won't be something that will intellectually add up. You know, we have things in this life that, that are, are the ways that we connect dots or the way that we measure things. And that is not the laws and ways of, of God. There is a kingdom mindset that isn't a 1 plus 1 equals 2, A plus B equals C. The transformation of our minds is such that, that he goes against the normal, what we consider earthly realm of how things add up. That's why you can walk victorious in a storm. You can be at peace when the waves are crashing against the boat. There are things that are the, the opposite. It's, it's this, um, this way of God showing that, look, my ways are everything that you need. There's no lack. There's nothing lacking in Christ. But what's the connector? The connector, our Father, which art in heaven. First of all, I praise you. Hallelujah, your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Notice that you can't say thy kingdom come, thy will be done 
until you're in a place of saying, Lord, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. You are my Father. I am expressing my faith in who you are, your holiness, who you are to me. I believe you are my Father. And you are holy. I will worship you. So by faith, I release your kingdom come. Your will be done on this earth. That is such a connector. Um, I'm not going to give you too many more of the scriptures, but i got to tell you in James. James is uh, James 1 just kind of just hits it hard right out of the gate. And I love, love, love this uh, because it's a, it's a hard pill, but it's so awesome. It's just so awesome. I hope to give you a, a modern, you know, real-time context of these verses here. In James 1, right verse 2, I mean, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. In the New Living, it says, brothers and sisters, whenever trouble comes your way, let it be an opportunity for joy. Okay, why? Knowing this is a trying of your faith, or when your faith is tested, your endurance has a, has a chance to grow. When you have a kingdom mindset, it changes the things that you go through that are hard and difficult. It changes them into a, oh, what am I going to do? To a, wow, this is awesome. I am now going to have the opportunity to have endurance I would not otherwise have if it wasn't for this coming in my life. See, God, in his wisdom, he will he'll not prevent in his wisdom so that we can grow what he really could easily prevent by his power, right? He will, in his wisdom, to grow us, um, let us go through things because he knows that that's what we need. I was thinking of, a, of a, an example of, just because I'm still training a young person at home, uh, Yvonne. So I was thinking about, you know, this year she entered, uh, from, went from elementary to, to middle school. And, and you know, they, they have all these meetings with the parents leading up to it, that the transition, and they're going to, you know, we're going to give the kids, you know, takes, and I, I heard other parents say, you know, yeah, it's, it's probably going to be three months, you know, to just really just transition them in, and they're going you know, to have lockers, they're going to have new responsibilities, and they're going to have to go from class to class rather than stay. And, and uh, it was funny because the Lord just was bringing to my mind today, you know, that it wasn't necessarily the case with Avant. She was actually really thrilled. I think the first thing she came home with it was that she was excited about was, wow, we don't have to walk in the hall in a straight line, single file, anymore. It was just something about on the line that just, it just felt like freedom. I can just walk to my locker, not in a line with the other kids. It's so free. And she just, she did. She literally said, I feel free. But, um, but you know, a lot of these kids that have all this turmoil, and I, and I, I talked to moms whose kids, you know, didn't, didn't transition well. And, you know, you think about these, these sixth graders coming into this middle school, six, seven, and eight, and the eighth graders going, I can't believe these sixth graders. You know, they, that's nothing. That's nothing. Oh, you, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. Why do they have that attitude sometimes when they see that coming in? Because they've already been through. They're able to look at, I've already gone through. I'm in this place where I now can see you'll be fine. I can speak into that now. And all the stuff that you're stressed about, even just memorizing a locker con, con, you know, um, combination that you don't normally have to deal with, they're all like, it's fine. You know, 
I've even heard adults sometimes, they don't mean to do it this way, but sometimes people get into conversations in social environments and somebody will say, oh yeah, I got such a bad cut today on my finger. I'm just, I was so concerned that it might turn to some sort of, you know, terrible disease. And, you know, and the person going, okay, I, I get that that might be an issue, but last, last year, man, when I was hiking, I practically, I mean, I got a gash that I needed four stitches. Oh my goodness, that was nothing. I went on a ski trip. I about cut my arm off. You know, you have one up. Like, like, oh, you've been through that? Well, let me tell you what I've been through. You know, it's, it's interesting, but this is kind of what James is telling us that we get the opportunity to do. It's almost like he's saying, guys, you have the opportunity to one-up somebody on what they've been through. Not to belittle them, because God is, is in everything. But, you know, when, you're, when you've been through it, you can count it all joy. Because guess what? I'm no longer stressed about the the finger. And I'm about to not be stressed about the stitches. Because I've been through that and then some. So I now get to see the faithfulness of God. I get to see I'm on the other side of it. I get to see that, man, that that was nothing. And it's not about belittling what somebody's going through. God, God cares about every little thing. But he wants us to take the every little thing and grow from it so that we can be on the other side and go, okay, you are going to be fine, Hannah. Because I've been through that, and look at the faithfulness of God. You know, before I had a child, I was scared to death. In my pregnancy, I thought, I am headed only towards what it looks like to get this baby out, and I'm scared to death. I don't know, like, can I go back? I just don't, I don't know. It was so scary. And, and, and she wasn't, Brooke wasn't real cooperative. <laughs> it was the longest labor ever. And I remember, my, you know, so great. God gave me such a cooperative child to make up for those horrible labor hours. Right. 36 hours. But, but, you know, there were moms that had, had been through that. And they just say, honey, you're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. I, I've been through that 12 times. <laughs> so I heard, I did hear some stories of multiple births, and it just, you know, they just like got it down to a science, and I was just like, okay, well, I'm just starting out, like, let me just. Go. But, um, but, but you know what? They were to the point where, you know, and my mother had eight, I'm one of eight. It's like I'm gonna count it all joy. I'm not gonna be stressed because I, I see the faith. I know what that's like now. I know what that's like. Don't let your circumstances define you. See, when, when we have the Spirit of God dwelling within us, when we are in Christ, okay, when we are in Christ, we take Christ in every one of our situations. In, in Acts 17, it says, Peter was talking, he said, in Him we live, we move, we have our being. So if, we, if I am in Christ, then everything I face, every circumstance I am in is in Christ. It is all for my good. It is all, it all works together for good. But you are going to be so stumped with Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. You know, right? To those who are called according to his purpose. That is not only going to stump you, but you'll begin to resent that. Because if you're going to base that verse on your understanding, it will never connect. Because you will not only not see the good, because it's the Lord that writes your story, and it's not even fully written. But it will also be that the good that he brings, you won't even receive as good because you weren't in a surrendered place to receive it as good. You see? Like, we've got to have the mind of Christ. We've got to, we've got to know him. And I love the verse when Paul says, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Paul's boldness 
blows my mind. Paul's understanding of the love of God, there are very few lives that you can compare trial-wise to what Paul went through. If you can imagine, and I did know of a woman that this happened to, and I remember thinking, wow, didn't this just fundamentally like just change you? And in some ways, if she wasn't surrendered to the Lord, it could have. But she was in a cult-like, um, really radical church environment when she was first married. And um, because of whatever outward rules she didn't obey, according to this church, man-made rules, which was so sad, it's a whole messed up wax thinking, but she was disciplined. She was the disciplined in the church. And they brought her forward, and she was whipped. She was paddled in front of the church congregation while her husband stood in the back. There was such deception over them in this situation. And, of course, he since was tormented by the fact that he never stepped in to fight for his wife. He accepted the rules of the church and allowed this to happen. But, you know, that's probably, you know, one of the modern-day United States of America kind of things that, that really impacted me, but yet Christians are being beaten and tortured all over the world for their faith. And yet Paul, look at how many things that he went through. I mean, sometimes we gotta, we got to have some context on some of these things that he's saying. He's not saying... When he was talking to the, you know, in Romans and saying all things work together for good, nothing will separate our, us from, you know, from the love of God, and, and we're more than conquerors, and, and I can do all things through Christ in Philippians, and he'll meet all my needs. He's, he's not just spewing these out like these bumper stickers that are just you know, things that he learned in a Bible study around the table with the perfect cup of coffee and a donut. He knew it was a fundamental, transformative, I know whom, that's why for the which cause I suffer also these things. Because I know, I know whom I have believed. And I am fully persuaded that he is the one that is able. i got to tell you, memorize that verse. It's a song, actually. An old hymn song that, uh, that I taught it to Yvonne. And I'm so passionate about teaching my girls scripture. Because I want their reaction to life to be truth. And when you know the truth, Jesus, it's not just knowing the word in memorization principle and doctrine. That's important. But it's knowing. See, that's why Jesus is not only the, he's the truth, but he's the way and the life. Because he wants us to have the relationship with him. There's a lot of people that know a lot of scripture and a lot of scripture by heart that don't have victory, that are bound in chains. Because they know it in principle and in intellect, not in relationship through the power of the Holy Spirit. But you know what? You still have to know it for it to come out of you. I know the character of God. When I am faced with deep rejection, do you know why? When you look at, I did a study on, on fears one time, and public speaking is one of the top fears. It surpasses the fear of death. It's right up there, like right up there, you know, depending on which study you do. Why would public speaking be such a fear? It's because of the rejection. It's so powerful, the rejection that people feel. And the public speaking is where they're, 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 they feel sometimes the rejection. When you can't know the truth of who you are, then you literally are at the mercy of who likes and who validates you. And I'll tell you what, whatever, if this side of the room likes me for this reason, this side of the room could not like me for that very same reason. Okay, because if you like blue and you hate blue, what do you do with blue? You know, like, 
that's nonsense. And so when we find our identity, and that's why there's such confusion now in our basic identity, for people to go through painstaking physiological, surgical changes to, to become a different gender, if that's not a result of stinking thinking, if that's not a result of demonically overtaken thoughts, I don't know what is. The torment in their mind. There's such freedom. There's such a release from captivity when you know the truth. And if you go a little further in John 8, it says, And if the Son of God shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. There is something about relationship. But it's got to be an exchange. It can't just be a, okay, God, good, I got you here, and I'm going to compartmentalize you here, and, and, and I, I, you know, I believe you, and, and I, want, I seek you with all my heart in this, 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 and this, because I know that's what I need to do. There are some fundamental things I need to do. But then I face this, this, and this, and I kind of lose my way. God wants us to live and move and have our being in him. He wants us to be so fully persuaded that every situation we encounter, we think like him. We think like an overcomer. It does take faith, though. Do you know who God is in your finances? Have you ever given God the deepest part of your being. You know, he created us. We know these things in principle. He created us with a void that can only be filled with him. A God-shaped hole. You know, like we know these things. But we don't ever really get to the fact that, okay, if that's true, what are we filling that void with? If you are getting married because you're lonely, and that is your reason, you will struggle. It's not, doesn't mean that your loneliness won't be filled with a mate. But if you are not getting married because God wants you to be married and has brought you your partner, you're going to go down a long, hard road. Now, here's where I might step on some toes, and I've dealt with women years and years and years. If you are having children because you're lonely, you are really going to go down a long road. Because... Mine were only robots, I think, until they could climb out of their crib. <laughs> then I realized, hmm, they're a, a totally separate, independent person. They are not clones of anything that I can control. Even though before they could get out of the crib, I was teaching them Ephesians 6 1. Children, <laughs> obey your parents. In the Lord, for this is right. You know what? And they know the verse, they know backwards and forwards. But they still have a will, they're created being of God. And if they are the reason I am validated as a person, if my motherhood is what gives me purpose, I'm in trouble. Do you see what I'm saying? Now, that doesn't mean that you can't be... I mean, I, God allowed me to experience what it felt like to be barren for years before I had Yvonne. And Yvonne is a miracle child. So I'm thankful for that. But God is the only one that fills the deepest part of us. So you've got to be honest. You've got you've to get this this cleansed, renewed mind to be able to go back to the Lord and say, okay, what are your thoughts about this? And sometimes we get on a, um, whatever metaphor you want to use, a, a treadmill, a, you know, a train track, a, we get going in a direction that sometimes gets such speed behind it, we feel like, how do we stop? How do we, how do we get off this? Lord, you're asking me to step by faith, but 
you know, so-and-so, you know, and some of these young people, you know, my parents are paying all my bills, and I, I know you want me to walk by faith. I don't know how to step out and cut that off and, and actually trust you. God, I, you know that I've been struggling financially now for years, and I, you want me to start tithing. I, I don't, that doesn't add up, and, and we, we end up going back with, Lord, I trust you with my whole heart, but I'm kind of leaning on my own understanding, and I don't understand this. So therefore, I'm going to backpedal a little bit. He can't direct your path if you don't acknowledge him and trust him with your whole heart. There is a cost to trusting him. There is a cost. We are a new creation in Christ. Behold, all things are passed away. They are passed away. You cannot keep walking around with your corpse, propping it up, and expecting it to be like normal and not look whacked and dysfunctional when you're living a Christian life. It's got to die. It's got to die. All things are becoming new. Romans 12, verse 2. I mean, not Romans. Isaiah 12, verse 2. I love, love, love this chapter. It's a short chapter. You guys need to memorize it. I just, I really want to encourage you. It is fun. It's fun to learn the Word. And man, if you find that you're an emotional person, you remember, your emotions feed. If you take anything with you today, remember, your emotions are fueled by your thoughts. So if you've got whacked emotions, if you struggle a lot with your emotions, and I'm not saying there's not a physiological aspect of this hormonal aspect. The Lord allowed me to go through a period of my life where I had the worst hormonal battle going on in the physiological body of mine. So God allowed me to go through that to teach me that, that he will even overcome the physical. Okay, he will even overcome. I, I was not. He taught me. Don't you dare let that human reality define you. Am I not bigger than your hormones? Am I not bigger than your finances? He wants us to walk in Him. He wants us to give Him everything. And there was a place I was going with that that I completely lost, but I'll come back to it. We're almost done here. Um, Believe today that God is going to help you go across that threshold. You know, I really think that that threshold, and it's interesting that God laid it on Shannon's heart to teach last week. Um, And then Bryn mentioned it this morning to the women about this preparation. But this is the line in the sand. There has to be a knowing. And there can't be a leaning on things that we know. It's like every single thing that we face. We can't rely on experience. We can't rely on what we've ever done before. That's why Jesus said, suffer not the little children. You need to come unto me like a child. Why? Because a child can't rely on a whole lot of experience. They're kind of just, they're just there. Just the innocence of watching Uriah walk to his mom and dad and just trust him. He's so excited when he sees his mom and dad when he hasn't been with them. You know, there's just this openness. It's like, seriously, when you look into his face, you're like, you can tell the kid anything. Kids are so open. You know, and, and people joke about it, like saying, oh, kids are so gullible. Praise God. That's why anybody that leads a child astray, be better if a millstone were put around their neck. We don't mess with that. And that's true in the body of Christ, too. That's why teachers and preachers and leaders have such a weight of responsibility on us. It's, it's huge. But we cannot, we cannot lean on something we think we know. See, 
God will never allow your intellect or your experience to be the thing that brings the breakthrough. He'll never allow anything that's apart from his power and total dependency on him to bring the breakthrough. He can't allow that because that's an impediment to the true intimacy that we have with him. So he can't. So he's going to continue to take us through, take us through, take us through, till we finally get that nothing we've tried or ever done works. It just does not work. We've got to trust him. And that's why it can be such a snare when you have a lot of resources, degrees. You know, I was kind of talking to the Lord a couple days ago, like, it wasn't a condemnation thing, but I was like, thank you, Lord, that I'm not that smart. I I find blonde jokes to be very funny. (laughs) Um, You know, the Lord, I want the wisdom of the Lord. And Jesus is saying in his ministry, which I love, he's like, thank you, Lord, for hiding the things from the people that think themselves wise in this world and revealing them to the simple. And in many ways, sometimes degrees, you know, we look at what the world says is important. I think it's great, man. Go to school, study, do, do it. It's so great. And degrees are great. I don't want to down degrees at all. But I tend to push back when it comes to the world's philosophy. And if you take a whole lot of classes from a whole lot of secular professors that give you a whole lot of nonsense in some schools, and then they give you a certificate that says, boy, you did great learning all this nonsense, you get to hold that up as something that's wise? No, not in in the kingdom perspective. Doesn't mean the degrees are bad, don't get me wrong. But there are people with degrees of foolishness that haven't gotten them anywhere in their ultimate purpose for being in this world that God created them for. So I've been kind of thankful that I have been dumb enough (laughs) to receive the wisdom of the Lord. And and I said this downstairs, just commenting because Bryn's hot this morning, but In Proverbs 31, at the end of the chapter, it says, favor is deceitful. The favor of of this world can have a lot of deception to it. And beauty is vain. Beauty, who even knows what that is? Isn't that weird? I mean, depending on what part of the world you're in, one thing that's beautiful in the U.S. might be not beautiful in, in other countries. And so beauty is vain. But a woman that feareth the Lord she shall be praised because her wisdom, her favor, her beauty is found in the Lord. We put so much emphasis on things that the world puts pressure on us to have. And in the area of beauty, I mean, it's a multi-billion dollar industry. Man, you want a facelift? This will lift your face. I got to tell you, seriously, this just lifts your face. It is awesome. It is awesome. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Joy, this 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 uh, ability, and I'm not against any kind of you know whatever the Lord wants to do, you know, nip tuck yourself, but be in the Holy Spirit, whatever you whatever the Lord needs you to do. I'm not saying I'm against it, but if you're doing it to find something apart from the Lord, that's when it is wrong because beauty is vain, and and to achieve what based on whose definition? See, kingdom perspective is God. You define. You define. Michael Stevens shared when he was here. He said, just the word need has been redefined. I mean, like what I thought I needed. Oh my goodness. You go to a third world country and you live. And God has taught them glorious things through the 
the, uh, it's not even been lack, I, I don't even want to call it lack, through the shift in the definition of need. Let's put it that way. Okay? He's shown them that he has supplied every single need and many wants. But man, we get really hung up. When you wake up, and I was just sharing this with Yvonne, before she goes to school, by the way, every single day, in fact, I'll sometimes remind her and I'll say the word this, because every day I make her quote, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. She's going to say it. And I said, look, I can't control your heart. I wouldn't even try to. That's between you and the Lord. But I will teach you scripture. I will make you engage in the things. And then you can decide what you want to do with the Lord. But I want her to declare truth. If you woke up today, there is purpose. There is a reason. And when you wake up in a, in a funk, you know, I was, I was telling her this morning that, that when you begin to wake up with, a, well, I didn't, you know, I didn't, I don't have this, and my friend has that, and she showed up to school with that, and, you know, I mean, she's always getting new stuff, and I don't have it. All of a sudden, you, you begin to think you're in lack based on whose definition? You know, we, we start to, that's where um, this, the futility that Solomon, uh, Song of Songs talks about, it's just, uh, and Ecclesiastes actually, just talks about the vanity of, of the things that life had, and Solomon learned that. The, the writer of Ecclesiastes, he learned that. He, he had everything, and God entrusted it with him, and it did, toward the end of his life, become a snare. But we've got to have the kingdom lens. I just I want, to, I want to leave that with you today, that in relationship with Jesus, remember, it ought to be a daily transforming of your mind. But your mind will not transform unless you're willing to die to the things that are not of God. See, he can't give when there's something in the way. It's like, have you ever tried to eat when you're just full? Oh, it's just, you can't even receive the new food. He needs us to be hungry all the time. And complacency and lukewarmness is a stagnant, full of something that we shouldn't be full of to where we can never be. It is, it is actually wonderful. I look forward every day to the hunger building within my system that will be satisfied with food. Don't you just love to eat? I mean, seriously, maybe don't answer that question. <laughs> maybe it's too much. But it's like he designed our bodies to be fueled with food. Okay, that's a, that's a parallel. That's a human realm parallel to what, it, what he wants us to be in the spirit. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. But if I were to start talking about food, nobody, if you would only have one food, that's it. Maybe you had rice. It's all you've ever had your whole entire life. If I began to describe foods, or you began to see a video, you know these commercials that just kill you. They always come up, show up when you're not supposed to be eating that. You begin to, I mean, you can actually salivate. You can actually, like, have, a, have a, an experience of your body reaction to hearing about or seeing food. Why? Because you tasted it before. It means something to you. And the Word of God and, and the truth of God becomes dull. When we don't allow it to transform us into a place of just knowing that, that we begin to experience. I never get tired of learning the word of God. Because when I, when I receive it and it changes me and I experience it, it juices me for more. Now, if you take it and, like the Pharisees, just keep it upon and become all puffed up. Well, guess what? As soon as you're puffed up, you got nothing more. Oh, more word. Can't handle it. Too much. I'm just, oh, I'm just going to be over. i got stuff to do. You ever notice that sometimes that happens? Check what's going on. Your hunger. Your hunger. Something is filling you that's not of God. 
that is becoming the puffed impediment to the new fresh word. Because every day he's got something for us. Every day. Every day our bodies get hungry. We're designed to do that. That's not a random thing. He designed our bodies to show us a lot about what it's like to be in relationship with him. And that daily hunger, that's why, what does he say in the Lord's Prayer? Give us this day our daily bread. The daily bread. He talked to the woman at the well about water. I have water for you that will make you never thirst again. If you drink this water, you'll thirst again. But the water I have to give, you'll never thirst again. And in that same chapter, he said, talking about, I'm looking for worshipers, true worshipers, that will worship me in spirit and in truth. What does that mean? That will worship me with my lens. That aren't just bogged down. Their whole life is about getting through their day. Man, there is a bigger thing going on, guys, in the spirit. It is in this realm that we are overcomers. We don't need to be downcast. And there are answers. We may not understand. But that doesn't make it not true. I don't understand. And, and be careful how we... I'm saying this to myself, too. Be careful how we wrestle with God. It's like, the, like a five-year-old that would come to you with a, a paper of all kinds of calculus questions and say, Mom, can you... Can, what is this? Can you explain this to me? Uh, okay, well, I'm going to start you way back here. You're not quite ready for that because to even grasp the language that would describe the answers to this, you have to first know this. And oftentimes God is saying you're not ready for what you think you need to understand right now. Let me tell you what you are ready to, to experience and to know and, and, and to grasp. Trust him. Trust him. Because where we get frustrated is that we want to know things that it's not time to know. And I'm, I'm one of those people. Oftentimes I'm like, Lord, but tell me all these high, deep things. And he's like, I want to. I want to. Like Jesus said, there's so much I want to tell you, disciples. There's so much, but you can't, you can't conceive of it. In Psalm 139, I'll end with this. I can just go on. I love that he reminds us who we are. You know that. And I'll just do the first couple of verses because it says, Oh Lord, thou search me and know me. You know everything about me. You know my downsitting, my uprising. You understand my thoughts afar off. And he goes on to say, Such knowledge, the knowledge of how you know me and how you want to speak to me and what you want to tell me is too wonderful for me. It's just too wonderful. It is high. It says, I cannot attain unto it. So the psalmist is saying, Lord, you know me. You know me so completely that I can't even grasp it. So be careful not to be arrogant, fighting with God to understand something that ultimately he wants you to understand. But he's like, look, it's curved before a horse, honey. Let's start back here and do it my way. In my kingdom, everything is available. There is no lack. The Lord is our shepherd. We shall not want for anything. For anything. Will we want for some understanding in our intellect? Maybe we'll say, but yeah, but I want all the time. I want a lot of things God doesn't give me. But the Lord knows, and what we can't understand, is that what he doesn't give us is good for us. What he doesn't reveal yet is good for us because he knows our readiness. And when we're ready, every day that I die to, my, to more of my flesh and he reveals more of himself, I'll begin to have more and more, like Mark 8, be careful how you hear. 
because what you are willing to hear and receive of him, he'll reveal more. But if you don't surrender, if you say, Lord, I trust you, I trust you, but this is just the way I see it. You're leaning on your own understanding. More will, what you even have will be taken. That parable that Jesus gave said. So a kingdom perspective. Pray every day. Pray every day. Say, God, get my, get my thoughts straight. If something offends you, if somebody, if you feel condemned by somebody, rejected by somebody, if you are like, Lord, how is it that you that I feel like you're telling me to do this when I, I just can't do it. I can't do it. Lord, go to him and say, Lord, get my thoughts straight. Get my thoughts straight. Because any lack of obedience, lack of willingness, lack, 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 there's something missing in your thoughts. Ask him, ask him, say, God, what am I missing in your kingdom lens for me so that I can just trust you? And the first thing he'll probably tell you is, why don't we just start with behold what manner of love that I've bestowed upon you. I've even called you my son, my daughter. You have an inheritance. Go back over the love verses. Man, when I am that loved, truly, it is, it is glorious. And your trust will increase. And guess what? When you trust, when you trust, you will have fewer questions. Did you know that? The children that trust their parents fully, they, they ask for curiosity, they ask for the wonder of it, but they don't ask for the have to know. And so I have to, I have to really imagine that, that what Eve was struck with first was a lack of trust because she had this compulsion, this need to know. And, um, and that, of course, is, you know, when sin enters the world and rebellion entered, it's, it's like, you know, Satan wants us to be independent of God in everything. But we need to just trust him and know that he loves us. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. We thank you, God. God, we can only love you. We can only even obey your command to love the Lord thy God with all of our strength, our mind, our heart, every part of our being. We can only do that by accepting your love. Because you say in 1 John 4, we love you because you first loved us. So Father, I just pray that you would help each one of us to surrender to your love. Not to what we think love is, but to just you, your ways, and trusting that you're going to show us what love is because you are love. I just praise you, God. I pray, God, that you would drive home these, these truths, these scriptures. Lord, I thank you for your word. It is just so powerful. I thank you, God, that it uh, really does help us to discern and respond to life's problems in the way that you would want us to. God, you have equipped us by your Holy Spirit to literally be overcomers and victors in everything we face. Because we are in Christ. We have the mind of Christ. You have given that to us. So God, help us to seek you, to die to our own understanding, so that the peace that we just don't get will keep our hearts and our minds through Christ Jesus. We praise you, we love you, and we thank you today. In Jesus' name. Amen.